the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher. So let's, oh, thank you so much, Clint Gonzalez, for that wonderful lead-in song, and 3-in-1 who helped accompany him with that song. Anyhow, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being here with us today. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you'd give us understanding of your word and that you would be with every word we speak today. Father, that you would lead and guide us through this time. Father, I thank you for all that you do in us and through us. I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us, Lord, today. Be with Sean and um, Guy in the booth as well as Brenda and myself and her little granddaughter, Elise. Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. I also want to um, pray for the first responders due to the fires that are going up and down the state of California as well as Oregon and Washington and all over the United States there's fires. But especially here in California, Lord, um, I do want to pray that you would be with the firemen and the police officers and the paramedics and all those that are on the front lines to help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyway, I thank you so much for joining us. We're with The last time Brenda was here, we were in Psalm 1, and I'm going to stay in Psalm 1 um, as um, I did before. I do want to talk a little bit about Psalm. As a lead-in, I'll say that Psalms really means praise or poems or songs. It really is meant to be sung. The Jewish people sang a whole chapter at a time. And as an example, since we're going to do Psalm 1 today, if they sang Psalm 1, they always ended it with Psalm 150 as their, like a chorus. Psalm 150 is full of the word hallelujah and it I think it's in there 13 times but and it's I think known as the hallelujah psalm but it's so great that they would end with that psalm always I I really can't imagine them doing 119 because that's such a long psalm but they would always end their song and singing with Psalm 150 um David was not one of the favorite sons of his dad. As a matter of fact, um, he wrote Psalm 1, and he wrote 72 or 73 psalms in, in the book of Psalms. And I say that he wasn't one of the favorite because... When Samuel came um, to ask David's father 
to bring his sons so he could bless them and one of his sons would be anointed as king or crowned as king. He did not choose David to be one of the brothers that came forward. As a matter of fact, David was left in the fields with his sheep. He was a shepherd, and there he was, left along with the sheep, while his other brothers were blessed, um, waiting to see who would be king. Um, I'm sure some of you know that story, but let me go ahead and start reading Psalm 1, and I'm going to be reading that in the New King James. So it reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chafe or chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteousness. righteousness, Righteous, sorry. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I'd like to bring a couple of things to um, that stood out for me. Um, the first thing is it starts with the word blessed, and it ends with the word perish. So it's talking about two types of people here, the good and the bad, the godly and the ungodly, the saved and the unsaved. Those that are going to heaven, and unfortunately, those that are going to hell. And it's really clear that he starts the psalm out with the blessed people. And what are the blessed people? What does blessed mean? Well, blessed means happy. It means blissful. It means joyful. It means um, happiness. So he's saying right here, David is saying, happy are the people. Blessed are the people. Are the, blessed is the man. So he's going to tell us three things here that if they don't do this, so he's telling in a negative way, if they don't do this, they'd be blessed. So blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Um, So that's one thing. If you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, you'll be blessed. Um, You know, this is like you see somebody that has a good word, but they're not godly people. I mean, it is a good word. But we really need to get a good word from godly people, is what it's saying here. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked. Um, Another thing is, or stands in the way of sinners. So we don't want to be standing like sinners. We don't want to be sinning. We don't want to be standing with sinners and acting like them. So um, we want to walk in his ways not the sinful way. You know, we do sin, but we're not going to stay in that place. Um, Like like David, we want to run to God and ask for forgiveness when we do sin. And then the third thing he says is, or sit in the seat of mockers or scornful people. And who are those people? Well, they're ungodly people because, you know, I don't know, people that don't know God, have you ever tried to witness to them? They will mock you and call you names. We're not really needing to be sitting at their seat 
Um, and I also found that what was kind of interesting is we shouldn't walk in a place we shouldn't be at. We shouldn't stand there. So we were first walking, and then we're standing and lingering there for a little bit. Or And then we get so comfortable in, in a place of, you know, we're where we shouldn't be, and then we sit down, and we really enjoy this. So God is saying no. He doesn't want us to be standing, I mean, walking, sitting, or standing in a place that we shouldn't be. But then he says, you know, he tells us where he really want, what he really wants us to do. And he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So we need to be meditating on the on God's word. And finally, what I do want to say is he ends with, um, you know, what happens to the sinners that haven't asked him for forgiveness or asked him to be a part of their lives. And it says here, because we're all sinners saved by grace. We're all sinners that have made a commitment to follow Jesus. But these are sinners that haven't made a commitment and what would happen to them, it says here in verse 6, the law watches over the way of the righteous and the wicked will perish. So the end note to that is that the wicked will perish. So today is the day of salvation for everyone. And if you haven't made a commitment to the Lord, today is the day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, I'll see a sinner's prayer at the end of the show. And if you're still watching, I would love to walk you through the sinner's prayer with us. Anyway, um, I'd like to introduce my guests. Welcome, um, Brenda Sharp. Thank you for joining us today. And I do kind of want to give a heads up as to how Brenda and I met and what, um, I think it was in 90 or 91 Mm -hmm. when we met, and we were working for a different company then. And I remember Brenda was doing so well in the company. So I knew her from afar. I not I didn't know her to, you know, go out to lunch, but I did know her to say, hey, you know, hi there. So she'd be on the other side of the office kind of thing. And I always thought, I want to grow up to be just like Brenda because she was oh the most, you know, <laughs> the, the highest earning person in our office female. So I thought she is the person I need to capture here. Also, um, so we were doing business together and... Um, we had a large convention out in Palm Springs, and I remember that my husband and I, um, at the time, my husband Walt um, was sick, and he was waiting. He was waiting for a heart because he needed to have a heart transplant to get through this. And so we were sitting at a table with eight people: so myself, my husband, and three other couples. And there were two empty seats to my left. And we weren't kind of saving it for anybody, but we had traveled together, the other um, three couples. And so we grabbed the, the seat way up front. It was at the corner of the stage. I remember that. And once we got our salads together, everybody was served salads. And Brenda came bouncing in and she says, I think we're going to sit right here at these two seats. I think the Lord would want us to have these seats. And so I remember Mike Shimono saying, Brenda, don't be so dramatic. Just have a seat. And so down she sat and she started sharing right away why she was late. And I remember her saying, you know, I've known these this couple for 19 years. 
and I thought Pappy was saved. I guess this is the couple, the husband of the two people. And she said, and he wasn't. And I felt like the Lord saying to me, Brenda, you need to speak to Pappy today. And he's not saved. And she thought, what? I didn't know he wasn't saved. And she said, but my calendar is so full. I've got four appointments scheduled today. And she said, boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom. They all started canceling. She said one of the people was right there in front of her and canceled right away. He says, hey, listen, I can't meet with you. And she thought, okay, there's one down. And um, the call started coming through. And she could see that the hand of the Lord was upon her to go over to Pappy's house. And I think they lived in Banning. But whatever, wherever it was, it was a long drive into the hill. And most of the road was unpaved. And there was a point that you had to get out of the car and walk the rest of the way to the house. And you were able to leave Pappy to the Lord. But here's one of the things that captured my hearing at the time. You said, Pappy was dying of cardioviral myopathy. And once you said that, I said, Brenda, that's what my husband Walt has. And he's right now waiting for heart. And without even thinking about it, you stood up and said, I've got to talk to him. And I said, he'll never go with you. But she tapped him on the shoulder and off he went. And a half hour later, he came back. She came back with her. She came back with him. And I could see that there were tears in their eyes and Walt had been crying. And I knew right away that he had accepted the Lord. And they sat down, and by then we were having dessert. And I also remembered that she got called up to the stage to get some sort of award because, you know, she was the highest female worker (laughs) in the whole state of California. And um, so she went up to get her award, and I remember her saying something like, I've already got my reward, and she told the story about Walt accepting Jesus as a Savior right there in front of hundreds of people. I don't know how many hundreds of people were there, but (laughs) anyhow, um, that's how I remembered meeting for the first time where I knew your name, Brenda. So welcome, Brenda. Thank you. Thank you so much. I do remember that time. It was very special, and I know Walt did go home to be with the Lord soon after that. Yeah, four months, four months later. What was amazing to me about that time is that he had reached out to all of his contacts and friends and nurses and doctors and witnessed about his experience with accepting the Lord. I thought it was wonderful. Yes, and, you know, I'll just add a little bit to that story. Um, He said to me that night, we have to get on a prayer schedule And I thought, who is teaching who here? (laughs) And he said, and also we need to read the Bible every day. Well, the next morning, he cracked open that Bible and he was sitting up ready, ready. But one of the things that I remember so vividly is his very first prayer was really just like a little child. I mean, here was a guy with, you know, a lot of words. Very influential. And... When he prayed to Jesus for the first time that morning, he was like a little kid. Hmm. Um, And I remember my children, when they were kids, 
praying simple little prayers. And that's the way it was. He was almost at a loss for words. Not at a loss for word, but just praying from his heart. Yes. But thank you, Brenda, for being used of the Lord and having that insight from him. And then taking it all the way. Because I would have maybe argued a little bit with the Lord. Look, I'm here to get an award. There's a lot of people. There's 100 people here. Hundreds of people. I can't take this guy. But you did. Just, you know, simple obedience. And I appreciate that. I also want to mention, because we have this eternal connection, um, about your dad. I remember getting a call maybe two, three years later after Walt passed away, because he passed away about four months after you had led him to the Lord. But um, the phone rang, and it was you. And we kept in contact, but I'm going to just say it wasn't a monthly contact. We, we see each other in the office or something and wave, but it was more like maybe every two or three months. You'd call to see how things were going. And I remember getting this call, and I said, Brenda, how it's going? And you said, great, but my dad's living with me, and you know how stubborn he is and whatever. And I, you told me that he wasn't saved. And I thought, Brenda, I'm coming up. And for some reason, I think the Lord mentioned to me to call my friend, and I called my neighbor, Emily, and she was willing to go up with me. And we got up there, and your dad so generously led us into his room and shared Christ with him. But the other thing is my girlfriend, Emily, was so enamored with your dad because he looked just like her dad. Mm-hmm. And she was fussing over him, how great he looked. And, you know, it was almost as if she was seeing a f- member of her family. And she just gushed over him. And it was time when he, we asked if he wanted to say the sinner's prayer. And he said yes. And it was just like God to bring the right person, Emily, mm-hmm. there to share her life with him. And if I remember, she even had not words of knowledge about his life. Right. She told him everything about his life. It was amazing to me. I sat there with my eyes as big as dollars, and it was very, very special to yeah. be there at that time and see my dad accept the Lord. Because you came in, too. That was so mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one, one unique thing about that, too, is that was my dad's natural birthday. And so his spiritual birthday and his natural birthday became the same date. Wow. And the significance of that is that Dad was leading towards dementia and would eventually go into Alzheimer's, but he could always remember that his natural birthday and his spiritual birthday were the same day. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that amazing? That's such a blessing from the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean... And and especially since he was the you know the dementia was setting in, and he would talk about those two birthdays being the same day. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, so Brenda, I'd like for you to tell our listeners today a little bit little bit about yourself. Share you know where you were born, if you had any upbringing of church. Um, share a little bit of, about your background. Okay, well, my family was in Rahway, New Jersey. 
The only thing I can say about Rahway is there was the state prison there. So oh, I, wow. So I'm thankful that mom and dad <laughs> migrated to California when I was very young. I was about <clears throat> three years old. So I almost consider myself a Californian. Right. And there was my sister and I in the home, a little uh, older than myself. Um, we lived in Los Angeles and moved to Altadena when I was in middle school. And I have to say, I'm still in Altadena. I'm amazed that I've been there as many years, but I do love the community. And um, I grew up in a Christian family, but it wasn't until I was 18 years old, had graduated high school, and had become friendly with um, a neighbor across the street named Dorothy. And uh, Dorothy was maybe six or so years older than myself, and she was a young married person at this time. And her faith, she shared a lot with me. So I came to understand that even though I had been in church and I enjoyed the fellowship and involvement, I realized I needed my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I just knelt at the side of my bed and said the sinner's prayer, And I personally can remember such a change in how I felt. I felt connected. I felt known. I felt like just Jesus and I were in that room. It was amazing to me. And my mother began to say, (laughs) I became like such a student of the word and the prayer. And I was just at church all the time. And she's like, what has happened to you? Do you want to be a nun or something? What's going on with you? But truthfully, um, it was very real to me to be God. You know, he was my heavenly father, and he really was. There was this connection. So I will say also, I will say also that just before Henry, who is my husband now of 50 years, just before he went to the Marines and was in the Vietnam War, we knelt and prayed, and I led him to the Lord. So I'm very pleased that we have that memory together, Mm -hmm. that we um, were friends, and then we were spiritual brothers and sisters, and now we're husband and wife of 50 years. And two children, right? Yes. And how many grandchildren? Now five grandchildren, and now also um, one great-grand and a new great-grand on the way. Congratulations, Brenda. I'm really getting a little jealous here. uh, We begat and begat and begat. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Now, tell me about um, after you've accepted the Lord, do you find yourself wanting to do God's work? Do you feel a calling on your life or maybe even wanting to teach, you know, Sunday school or even share Christ with others? Well, I remember in my early years, I was very active with the youth of the church. Mm -hmm. And um, interesting enough, God sowed a lot of seeds into me through good people. And when I was in uh, middle school, there was a friend who lived next door to uh, Mrs. Turner. And she was a realtor by profession but a very godly woman, and she sort of drew me in to help her prepare things in her home, and she would always talk her faith. And I knew her to be a woman who um, hosted missionaries who would come home on furlough. 
And so I'd be over there helping to primp and prepare for these occasions, you know. But she was very special to me. Um, and she actually told me that she prayed for me for 20 years. Really? And what I remember as a young adult is I would start out with some basic Bible study messages, you know, that I would prepare for my uh, youth groups and things. And uh, she would come and sort of overhear that, you know, and encourage me. And she came to my wedding. And still today, I have a large ceramic tray that she gave as a wedding gift. And that's 50 years. Beautiful. And, you know, I see that God used you in helping her um, do God's work yes. um, by preparing uh, for the missionaries to come. Mm-hmm. And what a great service that was. Now, do you do you find yourself in any kind of a ministry after that? Well, very interesting. You know, I always have to sort of look back over things and see what God's been doing. Right. And over the years, I have to say that I have a pattern of leading people to Christ when they're near leaving this life. Mm -hmm. Just like with Poppy, just like with Walt. Yes. Okay? And that has happened many times over the years. I may have known them. I may not have known them at all. But somehow the Lord would have me there to give the sinner's prayer, to share scripture, to lead them to the Lord. Now, I'll give you one example that's fairly recent in the last few years. Is a girlfriend of mine who had had back surgery, and she was in rehab at a nursing home. And I was very attentive to her. You know, we mm-hmm. were good friends. And suddenly, um, her younger sister, one of her younger sisters, who had a really very stormy life, um, was in the hospital in Arcadia and she was dying and I took my friend and checked her out took her in a wheelchair to go and say goodbye to her sister and in doing so that presented an opportunity for us to very gently lead her to the Lord before she left beautiful beautiful that's so great um I'll just say that my brother accepted the Lord and he really did have a threshold conversion. Hmm. Um, he accepted the Lord, and during the time he was talking to the Lord, he passed away. But my my parents were there, and my sister was there, and it was so beautiful that they got to witness that. Yeah. Because now we have no doubt about where he is. That's right. And so it's so beautiful that um, you're able to do that. Um, and one other thing I want to say about Walt is I remember you calling me about three days after he passed away, and I was struggling because the enemy was telling me that Walt did not make it, and that was just phony, and I was just crying my eyes out thinking, how could that be? And for some reason, the Lord put it on your heart to call me, and you called his phone, so he must have given you his number because it was an office number that we had in the house, and he only used it for work. And when the phone kept ringing, I thought, who is calling that number? I got up, and I walked in there, and I picked up the phone, and it was you. Mm-hmm. And you said, Rody, I feel prompted to call today to let you know 
how easy it was to lead Walt to the Lord. He, he said to me, when I said to him, you know, I, I want to tell you about Jesus and what he did for you. And he said, I know about that already. Just give me that sinner's prayer. But you felt the need to go over step by step and give him the four spiritual laws and whatever you did. And and he kept saying, but I know all that. Just tell me the sinner's Anyhow, you patiently walked him down that road, mm-hmm. and he said the sinner's prayer. And so you said to me, there's no doubt about it, Rody. He knew what he was doing, and he made it to heaven. And that really warmed my heart. And so all these people that had those last-minute conversions, you got to witness that as a, as a witness mm-hmm. and as, as a testament to them making that decision decision without being coerced that's right um their hearts were just ready right and that taught me something that you know when we have people who are resistant you know there this is scripture that says um some water and some you know not everybody is going to see the harvest but uh in terms of we do what god directs us to do and even with poppy for years and years, everyone had been putting tracks, been co- coming in his face, and he just wasn't responsive, you know, mm-hmm. to any of it. And so after he passed away, his wife asked me to come to the service and to share, just like you and I had talked about. I know that he accepted the Lord because this is what happened and how we did this. Well, <clears throat> I've learned in that to say, um, we're not always the one that carries that message. So just pray that the Lord send a messenger. And I love he that. Send the messenger, Lord, and he does. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. I love it. Okay, um, I do want to talk about, um, I think you mentioned that you had this friend, Dorothy. Is it Henderson? Oh, yes, the Dorothy, uh-huh. The young married lady across the street from me. Okay. Um, now, she was the one that was responsible for you um, making that decision for Christ? Yes, I would say so, because I saw her in the light of a young Christian wife. You know, like the Proverbs 31 woman. woman. And she modeled for me her faith in um, caring for her family, attending um church programs and Bible studies and so forth, and invited me to go with her on occasions. Mm-hmm. So she modeled what you got to do right. later she on as a, ma- as a married woman, too. That's right. Okay, that's great. It's great that it reminds me of the Titus II woman, you know, the older. She wasn't that much older, but mm-hmm. teaching the younger. Teaching the younger. Yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful. Okay, I do want to talk about your ministry now. Yes. And the ministry now that you have is to the homeless people. So give us an overview of how that happened for you. And because I thought you were retired, and then all of a sudden you've got this huge ministry going on. <laughs> so share share that with our people here. It tends to be bubbling up. <laughs> About three years ago, my husband and I and our adult children were working on a construction project, a remodel project of a home up in Selmar. 
And there was a young man um, at our church, not so young, he's in his 50s, but there was a man at our church who stood up and said he was back from prison, he was getting his life straight and so forth, and we befriended him. Mm-hmm. And so we would bring him in on any kind of work that we could encourage him with. So he was up on the crew, and we were trying to meet a deadline for an inspection, so we thought we needed a little more help. And so this guy says, I know somebody. And so he brought Donald. Now, I've changed the names to give everyone privacy so I can talk about their story a little bit. And so he brought Donald. Donald was a good worker. He was an older man, like in his 50s, late 50s. And um, when the day was over and Henry went to take him home, home turned out to be in the alcove of the Humane Society on really? the street. Wow. And it just pricked our hearts. We were we were just shocked. And so then he began to come to church and uh he you know with his other friend and uh he began to bring other homeless people to the church. And I just could not shake his hand and say, see you next week. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I remember I was so amazed that Henry went out right away and got a a tent and a cot and a sleeping bag. And then before we knew it, we um, had ordered a uh, small storage space where he could put his things and so forth. And we were just really concerned about him. And, of course, you do things like here's some extra money, here's this, here's that. But when his turn came to talk with homeless services about what they could do for him, he asked me to come with him, and I went. And he says, Mother, he would call me Mother, and I go, oh, my God, I don't have any 50-year-old son. But when we got there, I was just so saddened, Brody, that they couldn't even offer him a mat. They couldn't offer him a bed. They didn't have a program. He could come and have food. He could uh, line up and get a shower. But I was, where's all this money going, you know? But in our area, we're just very impacted with homelessness. Well, thankfully, I had learned through this same friend of his about a program called the Housing and Job Collaborative. So I brought that up. I said, well, what about the Housing and Job Collaborative, where you help people get started? And they said, well, would he qualify for that because you have to be working? I said, well, yes, he's working now. He works for my husband, and we had gotten him some part-time work with um, a contractor at our church. And... um, I said, yes, he's working. So I was advocating, right? I didn't even know I was turning into an advocate. And so they said, well, we're going to refer him to this program. And when we went uh, to meet who we were to uh, work with, a young man named Virgil, who is still in my circle today, because we made a God connection and realized that I realized that he did his social work, social services work, as ministry. He did it from the heart. He did it to get results. So the two of us worked on this case, and we got the housing. We got the subsidy, and we've gone on to help many. And uh, some have been my cases I call clients. 
to be a volunteer, and some would be his that we would collaborate on. But what I've learned is the system out there is not easy for a broken person to navigate. Yeah. And if someone can come alongside and hear what needs to be done and stay on top of it and get it done, see that they get it done, this is where we get results. When you try to be hands-off and say, well, go out there, you're supposed to find your own place, you're supposed to do this and do that, they just don't get it all together. So by now, um, I've stayed in the work. Um, so here it is three years later. Three years later. And, and how many people have you actually placed in a home? Over 40. Wow. Amazing. And just one by one and one family at a time, one situation at a time, and learning as I go. And it's amazing to me how the Lord shows up and shows out. I know. Because there are things, I don't know the system. I'm an outsider. But as an advocate, I'm a spotlight. Mm -hmm. So if you're being paid to do something, Mm -hmm. and this light is shined on what you are doing, you're more likely to work harder at it. So, so you've become friends with people that are working um, in different departments with the state and the city? Is yes. that what you're doing? Yes, different agencies, different subsidy programs. Um, I've worked on Section 8 cases. I've even recently had a case that we uh, were successful with, and I'm down here in Altadena, and that case was handled in Oakland and Alameda County. You actually place somebody in, in yes. Oakland. Yes. From, from way down here. Okay. Yes. So it tells me that this is something that can eat, well, not easily, but can be duplicated in every city. There's got to be um, all these different agencies that you can connect to in every single city that have homeless people. If someone would come alongside a homeless person, and maybe go with them to the first place and then get them um, and and just um, ear another pair of ears hearing what to do and how to handle this. Right, right, the process. Yeah. Um, I would say if someone wanted to get started in their own community, um, offer to volunteer with agencies that are serving the homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, look for youth aging out communities. Uh, for That means youth that are aging out of foster care. Okay. Um, look for senior programs and domestic violence organizations. Domestic violence creates instant homelessness. Yes. Because people have to flee for their own safety. Not just health. for the wife, but for the children. Children, all types of situations. So I've I've had a very variety, a big variety of cases, but um, homelessness is a big bag. It's a big community. You can't always know if someone is chronic and just beyond your help, or if somebody. There's so many reasons why you could be homeless. So, if you run into someone who is homeless, you might um, offer uh, by calling two one one. Um, see that they get into what we call the CES, which is a central entry system. There's an intake that they do. 
to put that person in the computer, then anybody can find them and help to work with them. So these are all important things. Now, I have a couple other cases that I was going to share. I would love to hear another um, case. Okay. Um, Do do we have time for one or do we have time for... Let's see how long the first one takes because we may have to... Well, let's, let's do Jane. That's a different name for someone who has captured my heart. I love Jane. Jane was actually um, a social worker, a licensed social worker in Florida, and had three children and had to flee for domestic violence. So she moved her family to California up in the San Fernando Valley. Now, from 2010 to about 2016, she's just doing fine. And uh, her children are now, at this point, uh, the youngest in high school and the two older ones working and in college. When she went into the hospital for one thing, came out with a sepsis infection that just screwed her up to where she uh, is deemed... um, 100% disabled and unable to work because she can go into seizures at any time. Just a very easy trigger, she can go into seizure. And um, now she's, uh, in 2016, the owner of the complex she was living in sold his building. Mm. So now all the tenants have to come out and find somewhere to be, and she's not able to work. Oh, my So now suddenly she and those three children are homeless. Wow. And uh, she's in shelters, and where she stayed in shelter for almost a year, then they came and told her, your time is up, you'll have to go. Well, why didn't somebody take care of permanent housing and subsidy while she was in the shelter? Mm -hmm. So a very challenging situation and brought to my attention by Virgil where it had finally funneled to his desk. And he says, "Uh, can you help with this case? Well, the situation at this point was, um, I say Jesus came in the room. Mm. When this woman was in 2018, summer of 2018, she was in the hospital. I think she told me for almost two months. She was really, uh, the stress of it all, and she was really in bad shape. And why I say Jesus came in the room is because her health care provider sent a social worker who looked at her case and said, I'm going to refer you to housing for help. And that evolved into her receiving a total subsidy for housing. Oh, wow. But how come if she got that in 2018, in 2020, she's not placed in a home. Wow. Because the system requires, even though they assign you to a caseworker, that you go out and find that. You go talk to a mainstream landlord and tell them what you need and what you want. And this woman couldn't successfully do Get it. the job done. I so mean, she probably was so down and out. With my coming into it, um, I can remember a day taking her to see a property And as we were walking from there back to the car, we saw a sign for a two-bedroom place. So we just went to the gate, saw the manager walking on the grounds, asked if they had a downstairs unit. 
And she says, yes, I have two units, but the downstairs is the most expensive. And then I have an upstairs unit. Well, in her condition, she had to have downstairs. We went in and saw it, and it was perfect, okay? The only problem was it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, um, you'll have to talk to Rick. I don't know who Rick is. So Brenda Bold, I get on the phone and call Rick. Rick, we just love your apartment for my client here, Miss Jane. Um, but she has a housing voucher. She has a limited amount that she can spend. Would you consider renting your downstairs unit for the cost of the upstairs? She says, I'll do that for her. Beautiful. So with much advocating, because this was still more money than the company wanted to pay, mm-hmm. I wrote um, letters of advocacy and um, with what we call an ROI, uh, request uh, the release of information. So I was able to be in the loop with all the agencies that were concurring. Wow, Brenda. And in that arena, I said, okay, we have exhausted what you sent us out to do. Uh, we've come in higher than what you want to spend, but don't send us out again. Because while we're out there trying to get a yes, this is a slippery market rate and the rates are going higher. Mm-hmm. And they accepted it. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Then what we do is we move everybody in with the goal is to at least have a bed that's made so you can sleep in it and a kitchen that's stocked so you can cook. So you get you, you get all the dishes, the, we the furnish. silverware. Beautiful. Right. We actually, I don't know if we have time, do we? But I have a little video that I brought. I don't know if we can pull it up or not. Um, let me... Uh, They'll have to tell us if we have time. Yeah. Do you have time? Um, he's trying to get it up right now. Okay. So, Brenda, do you, do you have another really quick story that you can tell? Yes. Let me tell you about Timothy, because that's a story that I love. Um, here again, a different name. But Timothy was literally homeless on the street for three years. And my husband and I were coming from a church where we had voted. And as we're leaving the grounds, I see this 37-year-old guy rolling up his knapsack in the alcove of the church. So I hopped out of the car and handed him a card for Virgil and said, call this guy. He might be able to help you with housing. So Virgil called me up probably the next day and said, did you send me a referral? And I go, well, yes, I did. (laughs) He said, you better help me with this one. So in talking with Timothy, he had some substance abuse going on. um, I knew of a sober living house in our community. I called, and a bed cost $610 a month. Mm -hmm. No money down, no deposit or anything. You just pay your $610, and if there's a bed and they let you in, You get a bed in a shared room, half a dresser, a half a closet, that kind of thing. So within a weekend's time, I reached out to a few church members, and I had from Friday to Monday in my hand $305. So I called the owner and said, will you work with me? I have half, and I'll give you half by the end of the month. He says, bring them in. So the guy goes in. um, I learned that he had been a lead cook and dishwasher 
with uh, Nordstrom's cafes. Wow. And I said, what? So I went to a local cafe and talked to the owner to see if he might need some help. So he says, well, have him come over here tomorrow at 4.30. True story. This young man found a Game Boy on the street, took it to a toy shop that gave him $15 for it. He took that money and got a shave and a haircut, and out of that knapsack came dress shoes and slacks and a shirt. And when he walked into that cafe, my eyes popped, and he came alive and sold himself and walked away with a job. Beautiful. Now, this is two years later, still working for that same cafe. They gave him a split schedule between two restaurants, and he's making it happen. Uh, by now, uh, about six months, in, no, very important story. Remember I had that $305? The pastor at the church where he would stay in the alcove gave, uh, had a benevolent, benevolent offering taken up. And they raised enough money to pay his rent to the new year. Wow. Yes, they did. So when that time was up, by this time, we had um, a room become available in a two-bedroom apartment. One of the people that we had moved in. And we got him into that bedroom. We set it up with two twin beds because his goal was to bring his eight-year-old son back home from Kentucky. And that happened for him. Mm -hmm. He's almost been, boy came um, about last August, almost a year now. So the best compliment he has to me for what I've done is, Brenda, you make dreams come true. Oh, Brenda, that is so sweet. I think we have the little video clip, and if we could play that right now, that would be great. This is Jane's place, and all that you see here is what we provided through donation. Beautiful. So So, this is a one-bedroom? This is a two-bedroom, and it has a little... um, The uniqueness is that it has two dining room areas. One we made a dining room, and one we made an alcove for her son. And then her two daughters are in a bedroom, and she's in her own bedroom. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. So there are her keys. keys. I love it. (laughs) Brenda, thank you so much for all that you do. Now, I'd like to know if there's some numbers that we can maybe donate to your ministry, if if that's possible. And also, um, if there's a number that they can maybe get to do this themselves in their own area say they're you know here in the state of california and would like to use the same type of agencies do you have those numbers for us well what i do have today is a sheet that i think sean can put up on the screen for you okay um fortunately i am now a 501c3 great through go ministries perfect and my i'm considered an urban missionary so if a person wanted to to make an online donation through PayPal, they would go to goinchrist.com forward slash ministries. We'll see if he can pull that up. So Forrest, maybe I should hold it. I don't think you can see this. <laughs> but you would go to um, forward slash ministries and you would look for my name 
and number 1402. Okay. Now, the other way that a person could contribute is if they wrote a check or money order. Don't put my name on it. Put Go Ministries, and in the memo, put number 1402. Or your name. Not my name. Okay, no, 1402. You the IRS does not want to see anybody's name. Otherwise, they won't give you the write-off for okay. it. So it would be Go Ministries, and then in the memo box, number 1402. And they would send that to Go Ministries at 270 East Peleus Road in Anaheim. 92805 and that would get to us. I want to just mention something else that the Lord has put on our heart and me and Virgil are working in concert on providing a transitional home. Oh yeah. And this is what we're targeting right now is for aging out youth Mm -hmm. who are 18 to 24 And there is uh, a tremendous need of support. When they come out of foster care, they don't have always the life skills. They don't have enough financial backing to go out and, you know, fend for themselves in the world. And the statistics are very poor. Like 70% can end up homeless or involved with the courts or law. So that's our our goal, and we're hoping to... um, Establish this home. We have a two-story, five-bedroom place where the woman actually is wanting to have it used for ministry. Thank you so much, Brenda. I really appreciate appreciate you coming um, so far um, away and 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 making this happen for us today. I do want to speak to the the listeners out there today. If there's anyone out there that um, would like to give their heart to the Lord today. I'm going to just say a very quick um, prayer, and you can follow me. Um, Jesus came for the lost. He came for the sinners. Um, And if you're out there wanting to give your heart to Jesus, today would be the time. I'm just going to say a prayer and follow me. Dear Jesus, forgive me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Cleanse me of all of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and be my Lord and Savior. I put my trust in you for my salvation today. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've said that prayer and would like a free Bible, um, just go to my website, On the Road with Jesus, and road is spelled R-H-O-D-E, and there's a place that you can sign in there and leave a note for me, an email. Um, For you listeners today, thank you so much. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com, or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project, Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. 
That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.